welcome to In the Isles, the movie and TV podcast that has voices in its head because we listen to other podcasts, not because we have an alien sibmiot. I was just going to ask if you were okay then because I didn't think that applied to me, but I see what you did. Very clever. I'm James. And I'm Dan. How are you, Daniel? I'm okay, thank you. Um, I don't know why I'm lying. I've, I've had quite a horrible week, to be quite honest. Um, started off with, do you remember, I don't know what episode it was, it's irrelevant. I mentioned that my son's nursery told me that he was floppy and lifeless one day, which caused me to panic and turned out he was just a wee bit ill. This week, get a call. Um, yeah, he's, your son, he's um, he's struggling to breathe. What? So I immediately rang the doctors who said, well, if he's struggling to breathe, I'd take him to a hospital. Get there. He he has a cough, right? And if you cough, you're a bit out of breath after it. He is not struggling to breathe. So I was just like, well, are you just purposely trying to make me have a premature heart attack? I just don't understand why they couldn't soften the language slightly to just be a bit more accurate. It, it's really went me up. So he coughed. He coughed and then went, oh, I'm, I've just coughed. Oh, I'm okay now. That was yeah. it. Yeah. And to be fair, we've, we've now took him to the doctors and he has a chest infection. So fair enough. They've picked it up. And his cough was particularly bad that day. But um, just didn't need the drama that was that was there. And the, the best bit about this whole story, though, we went to like a late night pharmacy. My partner went in to get a prescription and there was a group of girls stood before her. Literally no privacy to anything. This girl goes, I um, just come for what my mum's just rang for. And uh, she was like, right, what's that? And she went, my mum's literally just rang. I just need to pick it up. She was like, what are you here for? She was like, morning after pill. And then <laughs> proceeded to like, just drag this girl through just trauma, basically, by telling her, this is the fourth time we've given you this in the last three months. We're not actually allowed to do it now. Then asking if said partner had ejaculated inside her in front of everyone who was queuing. That's horrific, isn't it? <laughs> that is bad. So when you, mean, when you said you were girls, were these girls all together providing moral support? Yes. Yes, they were. Well, they weren't all there for their money after bill, were they? Oh, no, no. It was a group. Let's go and get our... Morning after pills, girls. What a night. It wasn't like that. No, no, no. Just just one unfortunate soul amongst them. Okay. I say unfortunate. I don't know whether it's unfortunate if it's happened four times in three months. Yeah. Just go to a different pharmacy. Exactly. Exactly. Unless she's burned through all the local pharmacies. <laughs> Could be the case. Could be the case. Anyway, how are you? I don't have an anecdote. Right, well, we'll move on then. <laughs> right, from Morning After Pills, to what you've been watching. What have you been watching, James? Two series on Netflix. Number one, The Billion Dollar Code. Have you seen this one promoted by Netflix? I've seen it crop up. Is it German? It is German, yes. It's a German mini-series, one-off limited series, four episodes, one hour each. I've watched all of it. It's based on true events of how Joachim Sauter went to court with his company, Art Plus Com Studios, against Google over the development of Google Earth, which they alleged was based off their project called TerraVision. So 
if you've seen The Social Network, which is the Facebook film, you should watch this because it's a very similar story. An artist and a programmer meet each other in university and they develop television, which is very recognisable as Google Earth. And it tells their story of how they come together, make this company, have all these ideas. It's this idealistic vision of travelling the world virtually, a virtual world that anyone can go to. And they meet this guy who ends up working for Google and then it all goes wrong. It's mostly told in flashback. You have the older guys, the artist and the developer, preparing to go to trial with Google over it and they're preparing for that. And they tell in flashback the development of, of Terravision. But that works really well. So basically this preparation for trial is a framing device for the story of the, the development of it. But it eventually builds in the final episode to courtroom drama with Google. And it was fantastic. I really liked it. This is high quality European Netflix content once again. I dismissed this at first. I don't quite know why, but that sounds very interesting. I had no idea that it was about that. So The central conflict is this algorithm that this young developer made, and they believe that Google Earth just stole it. But the way they explain it all and the algorithms, it's very accessible. I don't really know anything about it, but it's like social network where they explain it in an accessible way. And the idealism of these two young guys and how they get broken down as they become older men, it's very, it's very interesting to watch. And even moving, I would say, which is surprising considering it is about coding, really. Well, Britain. Broken Britain, you now no longer have an excuse not to watch this. You've been lapping up Squid Game, so give this a chance as well. Yeah, I did very quickly look into the truth of it. The Wikipedia page for Wakim Salter. Is it Jokheim? Jokheim, yes. Doesn't mention anything about this, this case. It doesn't mention it at all. There are some reviews on imdb that say it's it's a complete fantasy that it was stolen so i don't know whether this is some kind of german fantasy about <laughs> germans inventing google earth nevertheless it was very entertaining and it's a one-off series that you can just binge and then that's it and google is directly referenced is it yep google earth is explicitly mentioned fighting talk right Let's and there's see. some speculation about whether netflix have made this as an attack on Google, as some kind of ongoing dispute with them. Like they've made it out of spite because Netflix and Google are fighting over something. Oh, very interesting. We'll see if it gets pulled down in the next few weeks then. Yeah. Very good. What else have you been watching? I've cheated a bit by watching Oats Studios. That's Oats Studios on Netflix, which is a series of experimental short films made by formerly promising director Neil Blomkamp, who made District 9 and Elysium and then Chappie and then another film that has come out recently, which was Panned. Is that what it's called? No, it's not. It's it that poor that we don't know the name of it's it. that poor that I've actually watched a video, a long video about it, and I've actually forgotten what it's called. But anyway, 
it's his studio and it just seems like Netflix have given him some money to make some short videos. There's about eight of them. Some of them are maybe 20 minutes, but then others are only six or seven minutes. So very easy to watch. The longer ones, the better ones, they're about post-apocalyptic worlds where aliens have taken over and the last surviving humans are in a desperate fight against the aliens that are capturing them and harvesting their brains or where there's some kind of zombie apocalypse. There's a virus and you have to escape from these zombies that look a bit like Last of Us zombies and there's one really memorable monster design that looks like every time it's eaten someone, they they become part of this monster. So this monster has like a hundred hands coming off it and a million eyes. And the aliens that are in it in this other episode, they all look really cool. So it's really about cool alien designs, imaginative post-apocalyptic worlds, no real story because these are shorts. It's like teasing different films that are never going to get made. But I, I enjoyed it. When I mentioned it to you, you'd never heard of it. So definitely take a look, I think, if you just want to see some cool visuals. And Sigourney Weaver is in one of them, and Dakota Fanning is in another. So like a live-action like Love, Death and Robots sort of format. Exactly that. Exactly that, yeah. yeah. But surprising that there are two or three comedy ones that has a different intro graphic and one is like a twisted shopping channel where every time he introduces some kind of cooking tool like an automatic knife he ends up cutting his hand off or they put food into this magical oven that will make anything perfect and when he pulls it out it's just a disgusting mess of like pig limbs (laughs) or like another one where the whole joke is that God is just sat in his study, his old-timey study, and Earth is just this tabletop map, animated tabletop map, and he just keeps saying, oh, put, throw a hurricane at them. Throw an earthquake. Are you sure? That's, that's a bit much, isn't it? Do what I say. It's like a, just a six-minute skit about what if God was just a guy in a room with a tabletop map. So it's, it was fun. It was fun. That sounds interesting. And not a large investment, so I'll definitely check out. One or two, I think. Isn't it weird that I've noticed this week, yes, you mentioned it and I've not heard of it, it still hasn't popped up on my home screen at all, this. And it's not the only example of it. Are you aware of this interactive haunted house adventure with The Undertaker, the wrestling's Undertaker? Yes, yes, I am. But not. But Netflix didn't push it to me. I saw it via something else. It's just strange that it's just at least flash it up in the news section for me, you know, front and centre, but no. Yeah. The algorithm's very restrictive, I think. It certainly is. So because because I watched enough Korean programmes, it was just feeding me constant Korean content. Mm. And I've had to watch enough stuff that isn't Korean to make the algorithm stop giving me Korean stuff. Right, so you have to manipulate it. Yeah, but now I've watched Squid Game, it's like, now give him more Korean content. (laughs) Daniel, what have you been watching? There's a new ITV drama that's hit our screens, and it's called Angela Black. Have you heard of this? No, I have not. It's about Joanne Froggart's character, who is a woman 
that is trapped in an abusive relationship with a husband. And it starts off with a scene of the married couple. They're having an evening together with friends and by complete mistake, just casual conversation, Joanne Froggart's character, she let slip that her husband was off doing something at the weekend, which means that he is caught in a lie with his boss because he actually said that he was off doing something else, which is why he couldn't attend an event. And then cut to everyone's gone home for the night and he confronts her about you. You just want him to make me look stupid, didn't you? And then he beats her up, which is you know quite horrific. And it, it doesn't show it you, which is, you know, we don't need to see that. It's just symbolised by the fact that there is a, a bloody tooth on the floor of their home. I do always welcome TV shows that make an effort to highlight, you know, quite difficult topics. And I'm a bit solid here because I did read a Guardian review and I can't help agree with it because I can't shake that it does feel a bit exploitative to a degree. And, you know, her being in this domestic violence situation is not enough for them. That's just a means with which to unlock the doors to do something more exciting with the plot, because surely that on its own is not enough. And, you know, it's what should have been a really harrowing story, and it is, it still is, because, you know, it's quite a serious subject, but they've just chosen to amp it up in the wrong ways, and I think it deflects from what could have been quite an important message. If I take that aside, I am still intrigued. It's a thriller. It is thrilling. And I want to see where it develops from there. I've been very light on, you know, the, the plot details around why it tries to amp it up and, you know, uncover it for yourself. But I'm going to stick with it. I will be tuning in next Sunday to watch the second episode. I'm just a bit on the fence at the moment. I don't know what to think about it. And I'm quite conscious that this could end up looking like a bit of a... Uh, Oh, you took you took this topic and you've just kind of ignored what could have been. You know, you know what I'm trying to say, don't you? Yeah. So he's saying that they they, had, they took this topic which should be centered in the drama, but it's not. Is that what is that what's going on? It kind of is, but they've they've added other elements to it. I mean, it's only episode one; it's not a spoiler. So she plans on leaving him because of this situation, but then she's approached by this guy who, as conveniently, he met her the night before and it just seemed like a random encounter. And he's like, oh, by the way, your husband, he is planning to divorce you. Even though at home he's like, oh, please forgive me, please forgive me, I'll never do it again. So then she's a bit taken aback and thinks, this is strange, why is he trying to divorce me? Then she comes to find out later on, and this is a spoiler for episode one, so tune out for the next 10 seconds if you don't wish to know. Oh, by the way, and he's going to kill you. He's hired me to kill you. And that's just... I'm sure that ha- there are definitely situations in real life where that has happened, but I don't think it marries up with the seriousness of just seeing this broken woman. And she plays it very well, Joanne Froggart. She's brilliant in the role. It's like that isn't enough to tell this story. They had to just escalate it a little bit. That's what it feels like. I understand. What else have you been watching? Slightly less deep. Uh, last week, you won the Battle of the UK Summer Box Office predictions. Well done, you. And in what I can only describe as a, a disturbing act of cruelty, you inflicted a punishment on me. And that was to watch the intergalactic adventures of Max Cloud. So, dick move on your part. Starring Lashana Lynch. 
Star yes. Captain Marvel and No Time to Die. So quality was there. Well, the joke is on you, James, because this is one of the best, if not the best, way to waste an hour and a half of your life. I thought I'd tease you there. You think it backfired. Did I get you? Yeah, bait and switch, classic. Yeah, uh, I can't lie, it's not very good at all. So touche to you, sir. You stitch me up good and proper. And I, in return, I will now cause you pain by speaking about this film for longer than is necessary. So that's what I'm going to do. The, the title pretty much says what it is. It's Space Adventures with a character that sounds like he's ripped straight out of a kid's cartoon. Twist being, it's not a cartoon. He's a video game character. So the setup is we're in the 90s and we've got a young girl, Sarah, who's played by Isabel Allen, who you might remember from being on the poster of 2012's Les Miserables. She's the singular human on that poster, so it's her. She is obsessed with the Max Cloud video video game and one day, literally out of nowhere and without showing or explaining to us how this has come about, she's sucked into this world of the video game and she becomes one of the characters it is just so weird how it just occurs it's like hang on what when did this happen i I was just thrown by it anyway her friend then comes into her bedroom because seemingly her parents have an open door policy to anyone and everyone um is the 90s i suppose so safer time and he hears he hears sarah talking to him through the video game he then has to play as her navigating her through the levels of of max cloud and it cuts between real world him playing the game and talking to her through the game and the video game world because it's the 90s they're afforded the tiniest bit of slack for making everything look a little bit shit and it's clear that it is meant to be lampooning this era of like 16 bit video games but that goodwill that I had for it, it only extends so far because you then realise it is actually just a very, very cheap film. The, the set design looks like it's made out of MDF and just bits of polystyrene that have been painted. And you have this confirmed when they reach a boss level in the game and it cuts away from live action and it goes back to the real world and just shows that you in video game form the entire fight in what looks like a Meg, Mega Drive game. And I thought, oh, wow, you couldn't have posted that any clearer to me. They just couldn't afford a CGI beast, it would seem. The, the main issue with this is I, do, I don't know who the target audience is at all. I, I actually think if if this was geared towards five to 10-year-olds, I can see some of them finding it quite fun. But there are some bizarre choices that they make. There's, there's really overt sexual stuff, like Sarah adjusting to the fact that she has a penis is alluded to more than once then you've got another scene where where an old guy literally grabs a young boy by the balls and he's like what is going on another scene later on actually there's another one there's a teenager giving a fully grown man a neck massage whilst he plays a video game and it was just uncomfortable to watch then there's there's also, adding to this, a really brutal scene where Scott Adkins, who plays Max Cloud, he's making his way through this really horrible set design corridor and he's, he's, he's stabbing up a number of baddies in this spaceship and he is repeatedly stabbing them and there is blood 
gushing everywhere. And he finishes off by putting a knife through somebody's skull and impaling them into the ceiling. And I was like, where did, where did this come from? And that made me laugh, but only because I thought whoever is assigned to like giving this a censorship rating, they've clearly switched off. I just thought, I'm not, it'd be fine. Give it a 12, that'll cover it. It just felt so out of place. The action, right, if you can call it that, Max Cloud does a lot of hand-to-hand combat, but they don't do anything editing-wise around it. It is him doing hand-to-hand combat. And they, maybe that's to make it look a bit robotic, like it would in a 90s video game, but it instead looks really lame and a bit embarrassing, especially for Scott Adkins, who's apparently a bit of a martial artist. Speaking of embarrassing, John Hanna. John Hanna. What, what are you doing? One of the great... British television actors. Yeah. And in my what, opinion. I agree. I completely agree. But what attracted him to this? It, it can't have been the script because it's appalling. It definitely wasn't the money because I don't think they paid him very much. I just don't understand. The saddest thing I can say about this is everyone's really trying. Like they are, they are committed. So I do give them that. But for a comedy, it's not funny at all. It's just not funny. It's painful to watch. It's fucking awful. It's awful. It's so bad. It's so bad. And another thing which I'm really annoyed about, right? There's ads on this. It's on Amazon Prime for free, but I had to go through the misery of watching advertisements every 10 minutes as well. So you really socked it to me here. Thanks, James. When I first spotted it, I'm sure it didn't have ads. So that's changed since I first saw it. So that was not intentional on my part. I wasn't trying to add to the pain. So sorry that I had to make you listen to that, but you made me watch it, so it's your own fault. But I enjoyed listening to that. If anything, you've made me want to check it out. <laughs> just morbid curiosity, yeah? Yeah, because it's not, it's not often you see films like that. Even just looking at the images of it, you can, you can see what he's saying about how it's cheap sets, but cheap polystyrene sets thrown up. James, news flash. It's not real news. I'm not doing that transition. I've got a quiz for you. This is unexpected. Good. That was the reception that I wanted. Just to recap for those unfamiliar or maybe tuning in for the first time, it's what's that film? That's the quiz. I will read you a negative and a positive review of a film. Then you may guess what it is by asking me for a series of clues or you can ask questions. We're both clear on the rules. We've played this numerous times. And have has either of us ever failed yet? No. No, we've not. I fear that might be the case today as well, but we'll see. So are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. I've brought my film knowledge to the front of my mind. Negative review. Title, only for 30-something psychologically well-adjusted people. This film is well-directed and well-acted. It has all the elements of an excellent movie. Unfortunately, this movie should have warning labels all over it. No one under the age of majority should be allowed to view it. It exploits and magnifies everything that is wrong with our society today. The movie has no conscience, which was obviously the goal. This is relayed very well via the big screen. There is not one thread of good. Impressionable teenagers could be quite influenced by the movie. I'm not a prude. I enjoy thrillers, suspense, some blood and gore i.e. Silence of the Lambs is one of my favourite films, but this movie just goes too far. It is the most disturbing film I've ever seen. Any any 
inklings already or i feel like the genre might be might be quite clear so okay i'm ready for the next review title the best movie i've ever watched once upon a time a friend of mine told me that he had a great movie to show me regarding the movie's title got taught my Sorry, this is quite poorly written. Regarding the movie's title got caught my attention. I saw that the cast was incredible. At the turn of the week, we watched the movie and all the scenes were marvellous, you know. I think you should watch this movie if you like action and romance as well. The romance isn't similar to any movie that I've been watching. This is a classic when we talk about good movies. You have to pay attention in the soundtrack since the songs were chosen by the best director ever. To sum up, this movie isn't old-fashioned. Let's watch it then. You tell me if you like it or not. Right. Well, I thought it was going to be a horror, but now you've said action romance. I was I was going to just come out and say human centipede, but that I can't now because that's definitely not. Is Quentin Tarantino involved somehow? Yes. Was it released in the 1990s? Yep. Yes, it was. I'm fuming. How we need a system. So we need. We need. <laughs> we need a system in place where we can't. We have a number of like guesses that are allowed. So we do. It's five maximum. It's either five questions or a mix of those and. How many film? How many guesses am I allowed to say? Is that part of the five questions? Oh, guesses. No. Uh, yeah. Oh God, we've not solidified the rules. This is amateur. This is so amateur. We need to sort this out. You're Three. allowed two tries. Two tries. Okay. So okay, right. True romance. No. See, I'm not I'm not a Tarantino fanboy, so do you want me to hit you with? I think you've got three remaining. I can give you a clue. Yeah. This was considered very controversial at the time, as the review might have suggested. It has actually been named back in 2006, the eighth eighth most controversial movie in history. I know there's one 1990s Tarantino film with a memorable scene of violence, and it's known for that. But I don't think there's any romance in the in that film that has that scene. Question or a clue? Did Quentin Tarantino direct? He did not. You have one um, more clue. Okay, I don't know how much of this of a clue it is because you've kind of got to it already without me mentioning it. He despises this film completely. Quentin Tarantino and said of it I hate that in movie if you like my stuff do not watch that movie is it from Dust Till Dawn no no oh, no <laughs> broke the streak what is it would it help to know that Oliver Stone directed it no it was Natural Born Killers from 1994 oh, okay. which is like the Bonnie and Clyde esque tale of Woody Harrelson and Juliette Lewis from memory. Right. So. Did not occur to me at all. So good one. Stumped you. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. Sadistically happy about that, but um, I'll take it. So when I said true romance, did you think I was close? Because natural born killers is kind of a similar. Yeah. I thought it was your next question is, is it right. natural born killers? I thought there was right. no way you were going to fail from there, but um, I, I'm not judging. You know what I mean? It's what it is, but yes, one in the back. Do I get a point for that, Summit? Don't know. You well, I don't know. You could you could lay something down on me. 
to watch if there's a failure. Let me have a think about that. Okay. Should we blast off to real news? Blast past my loss. It's the real thing. It is now real, real news, news. Last week, we talked about a Russian film being made on the ISS. That's the International Space Station. Now William Shatner's at it. William Shatner has blasted into space on a Blue Origin rocket. Not for a film. Just seems like he's doing it to get a short period in, in space. Do it for a bit of a laugh. Well, he's 90, isn't he? So what's he got to lose, really? Might as well. Yeah, the weird thing is, is that when I saw it, I thought, he's already been in space. I'm like, no, that's fiction. <laughs> he's not. <laughs> oh. Can you imagine if you're that part part of that crew? And I'm not being horrible to him, but obviously he's 90 years old and he's maybe he's declined slightly and he just suddenly thinks that he is Captain Kirk again and starts like, you know, being in character throughout the whole thing. Oh, I don't think I could put up with that. Probably just throw him out. Do you think the the rest of the crew were wanting wanting to quote Star what Star Wars Star Trek to him, but thinking how will he react? Should we do it or not? <laughs> Should we do it or not? Yeah, it could have been quite an awkward awkward. I was going to say drive, then that's definitely not a drive yeah. unless you're in the Fast and the Furious franchise. Anyway, yeah. Or they just quoted TJ Hooker to him instead, just to throw him off. He would not see that one coming. That's left no. field. But no, like I said, good on him. He's not... I don't want to say that. You don't know how much time he's got left, but what what a nice thing to round off your life with. I am half expecting news that he's not coming back. Got to be honest. I know that's dark, but, you know, I, what? how does an old body respond in space? It's the oldest person to do it. We don't know. Might not be well, but all all well, the best of luck to you. They're already they've already come back. What? Oh, I didn't know this. It, <laughs> it was a, it was it was a quick trip up into space and then and then back down again, and they landed safe and everything was fine. All right. That's ended disappointed then. No, that's good. That's really good. That is positive news. Yeah, I think it's 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 good to. I know it, on on one hand, it, it's this disgusting display of wealth from one group of people who can go to space for fun. But on the other hand, it's it's creating a kind of public interest in space travel and hope for, for the future and technology and human progress. Another thing is that Tom Cruise's window of opportunity is getting smaller and smaller so he wasn't he, he wasn't the first man to make a film in space he wasn't the first american celebrity to go to space he's now this very specific thing of the first american to go to space to make a film oh god bless him god bless him i'm sure he's fuming has anything come out about the price tag on this it's organized by jeff bezos the amazon guy and the BBC says that Mr. Bezos simply invites people to fly on New Shepard. And Richard Branson charges £330,000, which is $450,000. But the Amazon founder, Mr. Bezos, does not disclose the fees paid. 
to get onto this. So we don't know. I would imagine all that he asks is for an Amazon Prime subscription. Yeah. Surely it's included. Maybe that's next mm-hmm. year's offering. Yeah. I will say, if you do have a desire, and this has you know, got you thinking, I want to go to space. Don't know what it's called now, but there was a ride at Blackpool Pleasure Beach called the PlayStation Ride. Just shoots you up into the air, comes straight back down. Sounds like that's all they've done. So maybe just go and do that. Yeah, that brief zero gravity. Yeah. Or just go over a, a small bridge very quickly in your car. You know when you get that feeling in your stomach? <laughs> yeah. When, it, when your car goes down again to do that. Sometimes you, you do have to be driving probably not the recommended speed to feel that. So I don't know if I'm going to encourage that. But I know what you're saying. <laughs> well, that was very slightly... <laughs> news related but i'm glad we talked about it because it doesn't always have to be film and tv and william shatner is an actor william so shatner, is that's the link william shatner yeah yeah uh next up ghostbusters afterlife if anybody cared it's coming to screens after the disaster which was the female-led cast of the previous ghostbusters revival which i never saw did you i didn't see it no and not for being a misogynistic pig reasons um, which I am not. It was purely down to the fact that it got slated, and I thought I don't really want to watch that. But word on the street, on the web street, James, is critics are saying this is actually very good. Now, my question to you is: given that, a, are you a fan of the original films? And b, are you excited about this one? Answer to a: Ghostbusters Two was always on TV when I was younger. I remember distinctly that it was the the that portrait that came to life. That was the story with that. So I'm, I remember watching that. So I guess I am a fan, but I didn't. I think I was too young to appreciate the original for what it was. It was like a deadpan comedy. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I'm in the same boat as you. I don't even think I can recall any of the original Ghostbusters, but Ghostbusters yeah. Two is where it's at, probably because it was on relentlessly so that's yeah that sticks out in my mind as well whereas the first one sort of people maybe one film generation above us really really love the original for the deadpan comedy yeah but it passed us by i think so yeah i'm not coming into this as a fan moving into question b i am looking forward to it because the trailer was very eye-catching it had this nostalgia to it but it was a bit serious and it seemed like it was going to respect the source material, respect the originals. It was like the trailer was saying, we will not mess this up. We apologize. We respect, we respect you now. We respect the franchise. Please come back. So it's for that reason that yes, I'm looking forward to it. What about you? Fan of the originals. I'm looking forward to Ghostbusters call on afterlife. Yeah, I think so. It does. It does hold quite a special place in my heart. Ghostbusters. I had the outfit with the little, ghost gun whatever you want to call it i had the building with the slime and all that stuff i I was i was you know quite invested so i'm willing to go down memory lane again why not and i think you can keep me honest on this because i often say things and haven't done my research but it's directed by the original director's son isn't it ivan reitman it's his son who's jason reitman so you would think even that is a sign of there will be a level of respect, as you mentioned, with this film. So I think it's got everything 
within its favour. And he, of such classics as uh, that being Jason Reitman, Up in the Air, Thank You for Smoking, Juno, he's a good director. So, yeah, I'm optimistic. Positive signs all round. Well, we'll know soon enough. Hello, I'd like to order an opinion, please. This film is new, fresh point of view. Call me sit back, this is a fact. We in the aisles, here are some aisles. Thoughts in sync, tell you what to think. I'll listen to you, but please don't rap again. This week's main review is Venom, Let There Be Carnage. We should be out there snacking on bad guys. I am a predator. I need to be free. You have got to get control of your aggression, or you will get hauled off into Area 51. You live in my body. You live by my rules. I'm sorry. I don't know what came over me. Please let me fix it so I can forget it again. You are a loser. Eddie Brock, I want to give you my story. People love serial killers. Please, why me? What's mine is yours. And what's yours is mine. I have tasted blood before, and that is not it. Eddie Brock is still struggling to coexist with the shape-shifting extraterrestrial Venom. When deranged serial killer Cletus Cassidy also becomes host to an alien symbiote, Brock and Venom must put aside their differences to stop his reign of terror. Well, now that we've said what it's about, James, what did you think of it? This fits in with the original very well, the comments about this being a continuation in tone and style, a very fair Fans of the first Venom film will enjoy this one as well. My knowledge of the Venom character all comes from the Spider-Man cartoons in the 1990s, where he was much more evil and they never got to him being an anti-hero, which I think he's eventually become in the comics. So I don't have this great attachment or expectation of what the character is supposed to be. That didn't affect me when I was watching the original film the first Venom film, three years ago, and it didn't have an impact on me here either. I really liked the relationship between Brock and Venom here. They really fully lean into it. It is a bromance, maybe a full-on romance, and the comedy between them, the voice in Eddie's head, and the actual when the symbiote comes out and they speak to each other. I really liked all of that. It seems like reviewers think it's too much and too chaotic but i was i was laughing at it and that is a very unique thing that i really enjoyed about this as for the rest of the plot it's very straightforward which is a good thing because it's short this is a tight lean sleek clean 90 minute film when it was introducing the plot and you were getting what's eddie brock up to what's cassidy doing when it was 15 minutes in, I was realizing, have I missed something? Have they skipped a reel in the cinema? But it wasn't. It was because it was just moving through it quickly. It wasn't messing about. It's a simple story, simple conflict, and they just get on with it. I really liked that. I don't have a problem with certain things not being explained or developed. It's a 90-minute action film about aliens fighting each other. 
it's a 15 rating and there is some language in it, but I just wish there was more violence. So there's a very tame scene with Carnage escaping from prison. And I just would like to see a bit more actual Carnage to fit the name of the character. It's not Deadpool for violence and language, but it's not an MCU film either. It's coming in right at the middle. It's occupying a quite a unique space, I think. Tom Hardy still does his weird performance as Eddie Brock. I like it. I think he's committed to doing that mumbling character, which is completely unexpected and completely different from what I understand of Venom from the cartoons when he's just full-on evil. Woody Harrelson is good as Cletus Cassidy. Yes, he's underdeveloped and a bit one-dimensional, but it's a 90-minute film. They just get on with it. I don't have a problem with that. You can see that he's having fun, and I enjoyed it as well. Naomi Harris, I think, is really underrated as an as an actor at this point. She was in The Third Day, and that was good. She's been in a lot of Bond films, which seem to have gone ignored, and Lashana Lynch gets all the attention, and she was good in those films. And she's completely different in this. Again, underdeveloped, but she's committed, and it's fun to watch. Do I want an explanation for how she gets her shrieking powers? No, it's fine. I just accept that she has these shrieking powers. It's fine. It's not serious. It's not trying to be everything to everyone. It's a bit of fun, and I had fun. Daniel, what did you think of Venom, Let There Be Carnage? So I I think we mentioned it earlier. It might have been offline, but I went against most critics with the first Venom. Uh, as it sounds like you did, I enjoyed it. And, you know, it was it was a fun little romp. Nothing deep or serious, as you pointed out, but pleasant enough. So no real huge expectations coming in. Just, you know, give me more of the same and I'm, I'm a happy customer. And it is more of the same. You've said tone, style, it continues. It feels like the same director, actually, and it's not. It's Andy Serkis, a.k.a. Gollum. We are kind of thrown straight into it. Eddie Brock, he's moved on with his life after the events of the first film, and he's he's trying to rebuild his career whilst learning to live with Venom, living inside him. The plot you've alluded to, it's semi-intriguing to start off with, but there's no meat and bones or chickens to it. Tom Hardy's performance is what carried that first film, in my opinion, and it made it worth watching, and I think the same can be said here if you did enjoy that the plot is almost secondary i suppose he is very entertaining to watch and and it's fun to quite literally see him battling with his inner demons and similar to you i would like that rapport that he has with him and i had to find out because i didn't actually know watching the first one who voiced venom and it is tom hardy himself Uh, apparently they pre-recorded him and then they would play it on set so he, he could actually react, which I think works very well. He, I didn't know until I did a bit of digging, he's got a screenwriting credit for this as well. So he obviously put a lot of his thoughts into the personality of Venom and it's expen- expanded upon from the first film. You mentioned this humour, Venom is a bit of a joker and that was evident in the first film, but it's a lot more pronounced here. And it does feel like a natural growth of the character. It doesn't feel completely at odds with what we've seen previously. And I, and I liked it. For me, it does genuinely feel like there's a bit more freedom with these productions than anything traditionally put out by Marvel Studios because this 
is not technically one of their films it is in association with. I'm not saying all the MCU films follow the exact same template, but there is a formulaicness to them. And there's a bit of crossover with superhero tropes here, but it does feel distinctly different from the MCU. And that's not always a bad thing. A lot of that might be the age rating that they're going for. Like you said, it's 15, and therefore they're afforded a little more opportunity for heavier swearing, which is not essential. But there's darker violence, but as you said, it doesn't veer towards Deadpool levels. On the length of the film, which you pointed out, it felt like the most zippiest thing I've seen in recent memory. I I felt as though I'd been watching it for 50 minutes, um, but I, I welcome that sometimes it doesn't need to be a two and a half hour epic just give me a short simple story and make it entertaining that being said i agree with what you said i don't need everything explaining but i do think because of the runtimes there's there's minimal chance for characters to be developed but i don't really think it hinders it because eddie brock and venom are the heart of it really so that's all that matters I didn't mind Woody Harrelson, but if I'm completely honest, he he plays zaniness and unhinged very well. And I think him hamming it up a bit more and making it a bit more over the top would have elevated this to the next level. He doesn't quite go that far with it. There is a very nice bit of exposition to Woody Harrelson's character, though, that's done in this quite rough and disturbing animated style, and I really liked that. Stephen Bloody Graham, again, last year we had an award for the most mentioned actor. It's It's got to be him this year because he's in everything. I think we've mentioned in the last five weeks, every episode alone. I echo your thoughts on Naomi Harris. I didn't even realise it was her till I looked up the cast list on IMDb. So good on her for, you know, investing herself in the role and getting lost to the point where I don't recognise her. The action in this, one of the things I didn't like in the original Venom is the fight scenes felt like... I can't really tell what's going on. It was quite darkly lit and it was a bit choppy with the editing. Didn't really appreciate that. In this one, I feel like you can tell what's going on and it's a little more exciting than than in the original film. If they do another one, though, I don't want to see him pitted against another symbiote. Is it symbiote? Symbiote, yeah. I, I, I think they've done enough of that now with the first two films. He needs another nemesis that's a bit more interesting or at the very least looks dissimilar to him. It is popcorn entertainment. I don't think it's striving to be anything more than that. Sometimes that's exactly what you want. And I think if that's the aim, they succeeded. And it's called Let There Be Carnage. And I would argue there is sufficient carnage. So not false advertising. Sufficient carnage. Excellent. There'd be sufficient carnage. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Three stars, sufficient carnage. I forgot to mention Stephen Graham. Yeah, he's made yeah consistent appearances over the past few weeks he's got to be the actor of the year the length that you've mentioned and that i've mentioned i think it's more shocking because we binge watch tv series on netflix that go on for seven eight ten hours where everything is painstakingly explored so to just watch 90 minutes where they get through everything they just burn through all the characters and then that's it That's what makes it more shocking, I think. And refreshing, really, because it did feel like, obviously, experience-wise, I'm in a cinema, so it's different, but it's like you've just popped on an episode of something on Netflix, (laughs) but with film-level production values. And, yeah, it's just a nice feeling, really, to just be in, out, enjoyed it, done. 
Yeah, and you mentioned about what they were aiming to do, which is a crucial point because they were aiming for 90 minutes of fun and they succeeded, unlike something like, say, Shang-Chi, and I'm guessing Eternals, which is try tries to do so much that it starts to collapse in on itself at times and becomes a bit tonally confusing, whereas this is very sure of what it is. Do you think that's... I don't actually know what a lot of the criticism was to the first film. It would seem that this similar to Venom 1. It's, you know, audiences are liking it, but critics aren't so much. I don't know. Is it what they've done with the character or is it just the delivery of it being a bit more, you know, not in depth? The critics' consensus for the first Venom was Venom's first standalone movie turns out to be like the comics character in all the wrong ways, chaotic, noisy, and in desperate need of a stronger attachment to Spider-Man. Well, I don't think I agree with that. If anything, I don't know if this is spoiler talk, if they ever merge the universes, I like that we're emotionally invested in this character now and we've grown to like him. So that when there's the natural conflicts that there will be, we're going to be very emotionally confused, <laughs> I think, as to who yeah. we want to succeed. So I think this could be a setup to something quite rewarding, actually. I, th- I think they might have played this quite well. Maybe not purposefully, <laughs> but um, it could work yeah. in a favour. It could, and it's something that the the MCU has not done. They don't have two villain films about about Loki or whoever before mm. he even meets the hero, before the hero even appears. They have to try to tell you all about the villain in the second or third Iron Man or Thor film, and it, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So they've set Sony have set themselves up quite well. Agreed. I was going to ask you around this because I'm confused and this is another thing where I'm putting you on the spot and you're probably not going to know the answer. Spider-Man, obviously Sony Columbia owned that for a bit. That's why there was the Sam Raimi trilogy. And then Marvel got hold of it again. Why do they not own the rights to Venom? Is it to do with like, you have to release a film within a certain period of time to return the rights and they didn't do it with Spider-Man. I'm just I just don't know why they've got Spider-Man but not Venom. It confuses they, me. They never they never lost the rights to Spider-Man. They always had them. So Spider-Man was on loan to Marvel Studios. Ah, okay. But those were still Sony films and that is why the two Spider-Man films are not on Disney Plus because right. it's a, it's a different legal situation with those. So I believe what happened is that sony said look marvel can you can you please just help us make two good spider-man films please please and they collaborated for a bit they shared the money spider-man got to appear in the marvel studios films but then maybe last year sony and marvel studios couldn't agree on the the money split i think on, on the profits of who would split the profits between future spider-man films so sony said okay we're going to make our own spider-man films no more spider-man in the mcu we're gonna do our own spider-verse thank you and goodbye i think there's gonna be one more spider-man appearance in the mcu but then after that sony unless there's a change sony are gonna go back to what it was before where they're doing their own spider-man films unrelated to the mcu and they'll have these villains ready to go they've got venom and morbius ready to interact with spider-man does that answer your question very, very thoroughly. Thank you very much for that. 
How much of it is wrong? We'll see. <laughs> I think that's the, that's the gist of it. That really interesting. Thank you for that. I'm glad I asked the question, mate. I, d- I do just want to add, actually, because I didn't really point it out. Andy Circus. I looked at his. Obviously, we know him as an actor. I looked at his directing credits because I was, as I said, really surprised to see his name attached to this. He's not done a whole hell of a lot, and well done you, sir, because he certainly knows how to direct a film. I'm quite excited to see what he does next after this, although apparently he wants to do a sequel to this, so that's probably what he'll be doing next. I was surprised to see Andy Serkis's name on it as well. I had no idea. Tight film with good action in it as well. When you get the fight, Venom v Carnage, you can see everything that's going on. There's good, good variation in the action. It all looks good. So, yeah, well done. Director of the Year. Best director. Oh, you've done it again. Revealed. Is this your number one? Number one film yep, of the year? This is my number one film <laughs> of the year. With all that in mind, James, would you recommend Venom Let There Be Carnage? Silly question. Yes. Daniel, would you recommend Venom Let There Be Carnage? Yes. So we both recommend it. Very good. James, let there be spoilers. Bruce Willis, real name is Tyler Durden. Sank at the end. Oh, thanks a lot. Spoilers. Cletus Cassidy becomes Carnage and he's motivated to release his lover, Naomi Harris, Shriek from prison. They do. They have a, a red wedding and that's where the finale takes place. Venom v Carnage happens. Shriek falls from a church, dies. Venom bites. Cletus Cassidy's head off, eats the carnage symbiote. That's done. Stephen Graham appears to be infected also with the symbiote, and he'll become rumored to become another character called Toxin or Toxic, another symbiote. And Eddie and Venom resolve the differences and they're friends again. And Michelle Williams exists in the background for very little reason whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. It did, it, it did, you know, if I'm going to say anything negative, it is what they do with her character because first film, love interest, get it. Oh, she's with a new guy. And now she's back again and she's progressed with that relationship. She's now getting married to him. And I thought, oh, this could be a good, you know, source of contention and, and, and you know, I'll be emotionally invested in Eddie Brock's love life. But no, they don't do anything with it. They don't do anything with it. She's just, oh, she was in the first film, so she's back again. And bless her, because I, I love Mich- Michelle Williams. I, I was a big Dawson's Creek fan. She tries very hard and somewhat succeeds to add a bit more personality to her character in this. And she has very little to work with, so good on her. But, yeah, I, I do question whether she really adds much to this. Yeah, that's part of what makes this a bit of a throwback to older comic book films which is that the female character is not very developed unlike mcu where they go to great lengths to give the female character something to do to the extent where they overshadow the male characters but yes you're right she doesn't really have much to do so weird that i would spend two minutes talking about something that doesn't really add much value but there you go i did it anyway i did like her fiance though he is in veep the Armando Iannucci-created comedy starring Julie Louis-Dreyfus. That's where I know him from. 
Yeah. Fast talking, slimy political lobby guy. Very unlikable. Completely different from this role then. Yeah, but I actually liked the little arc that he had with Eddie Brock, where they obviously don't like each other at first, but then they do fight carnage together and they have that respect in the end. So within the slick 90 minutes, you just have this background arc of the fiancé and Eddie getting along. Yeah. There is one more minor thing to discuss, which completely overshadows and wipes away all the events of the film, and that's the end credit scene where... Venom crosses universes and joins the MCU and sees the announcement from J. Jonah Jameson that Peter Parker is Spider-Man that we saw at the end of Spider-Man Far From Home. No Way Home, Spider-Man 2. The Tobey Maguire? No, it's, it was... <laughs> no, I'm joking. Spider-Man 2 version 3 with Tom Holland. <laughs> I, I think this is very exciting, but I also see it for what it is which is a very easy way of getting more people in seats <laughs> that is all this serves to do is, is just just add to the box office revenue because i'm sure contractually maybe it's not that easy but this will have added millions onto this film just by having that 30 seconds alone or however long it was i agree i agree and i think it's getting to the point now maybe we're too old for this because when I see it, all I see is the Sony Marvel contract disputes playing out on screen. <laughs> it's not even a it's not a story that you can invest in. It's just okay, so the, the contract is at the point where Venom is also appearing in this one film, but maybe not the MCU. And that's that's all I'm thinking about. It's gonna be very telling how this progresses because I, I can actually see this leading to absolutely nothing, to be honest. <laughs> they didn't think it through. They just thought, oh, yeah, no, it will. It will get more people in cinemas, but we're not going to honour any of it. No, sack that off. Yeah. Well, have you seen the trailer for Spider-Man 3 version 2 with Tom Holland? Contrary to my belief in watching... Uh, trailers, somebody forced me to watch this so yes I have, can't say I remember yeah. it very well but I have seen it, yeah So it could be that Venom is one of the multiversal villains that appears in that film and my opinion is that this is not Venom joining the MCU this is Far From Home is going to be the start of the transition from Tom Holland going into the Sony Spider-Verse Makes sense. And that you'll do, I think it is called, is it not? It's, I think it's called No Way Home. So No Way Home is going to be old Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man characters, MCU characters, and Venom and Tom Holland all in one film. But then the next Spider-Man that we see with Tom Holland, it's going to be completely detached from the MCU. And this Venom thing is the connective tissue between what we've got now, which is the messy... Tom Holland's half in and half out and the future of the closed off Sony verse. Well, we've only got how long to wait? I don't know. Is it two, two months, two or three months? Hmm. Well, I'm, I'm going to put my neck on the line and say, I bet you, James, at least five English pounds that there is no payoff with that in the next Spider-Man film. Okay. So you're saying no Tom Hardy in Spider-Man No Way Home. I am, unless I've missed 
some sort of news article that tells me otherwise, which is is completely possible. But no, I don't maybe. think there is one. So yeah, we'll yeah we'll keep an eye on that. Certainly will. Well, that was short and sweet. Although maybe it was. I don't know. We'll find out during editing. But what is on the cards for next week, James? What are we reviewing? I already know, but for the purpose of the audience, Dune, the new Dune. At last, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Yeah, reviews are in. It's spectacular. It's a hit. It couldn't possibly fail to disappoint. Fail to disappoint. Couldn't. Yeah, is that right? It couldn't fail to impress. Yes, thank you. Thanks for the correction. Thank you very much for listening. If you wish to leave us any feedback, you can do so at inthealspodcast at gmail.com. Leave us a review, please, on iTunes. And a rating would also suffice if you can't be asked with a review. Follow us on Instagram at inthealspodcast. I think that's about it in terms of ways to get in touch and, and see what we're up to. James, how are you? I know it's weird to ask you at the end, but how are you? I didn't ask you at the beginning. I'm okay, thank you. All right, bye then. Bye.